The Guardian. Welcome to a special edition of Media Talk. Coming up, the sky falls in on Rupert Murdoch as News Corporation is forced to abandon its takeover of B Sky B. This is the right decision. This company clearly needs to sort out the problems there are at News International, at the News of the World. That must be the priority, not takeovers. So the right decision, but also the right decision for the country too. After a remarkable week that's seen politicians, police and the public all turning against the dirty digger, we ask what the future holds for his media empire in Britain and around the world. Meanwhile, another senior News International executive is arrested over phone hacking as the government launches an inquiry into the practices of the press. It's the epiphenomenal imbroglio that just keeps on giving. I'm Matt Wells and this is Media Talk from The Guardian. Now here with me on the pod to make sense of a truly extraordinary uh, seven days, well another truly extraordinary seven days in the life of the British media and politics is Jane Martinson, the former editor of Media Guardian. Uh, so much for the silly season, eh Jane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's going to be no rest for the wicked no, this summer. No, cer- certainly not. And also here is uh, Steve Ackerman, Managing Director of Radio and Digital Production House, something else. Uh, are you keeping up with all the developments? Completely obsessed. Yeah, good, good, good. Uh, well, uh, here we go. Last week he killed the news of the world. This week Rupert Murdoch has pulled the plug on his takeover of B Sky B. The media baron became the latest victim of the phone hacking scandal as fierce pressure from the public and all three political parties about the goings on at Wapping made it impossible for News Corporation to carry on with its purchase of the 61% of B Sky B it didn't already own. Now, serious questions are being asked about the future of Murdoch's media empire. This week has seen more revelations about his company his use of the dark arts. Gordon Brown accused the son of obtaining medical records about his son and also claimed the Sunday Times had blagged the information of his financial dealings. The Mirror, meanwhile, splashed with a story that victims of the 9-11 attacks had their phones hacked by the news of the world, so it seems the scandal is spreading to the States. And in Parliament, senior police officers were hauled in front of a select committee made to apologise for their bungling of previous phone-hacking inquiries, while the Prime Minister, David Cameron, finally announced a wide-ranging inquiry inquiry into the practices of the press and performed a big volt fass over his relationship with his old pals Andy Coulson and Rebecca Brooks. Now we'll talk more about that inquiry, about Brooks and the future of the Murdoch dynasty uh, in a bit. But first, let's start with the abandonment of the B-Sky B-Bit. Was it doomed to fail as the events of the last week gathered pace? Dan Sabah is The Guardian's head of media. Yes, it was inevitable. Actually, talking to people at News Corporation, it was clear that it was as inevitable to them as it was to the outside world. Uh, you know, they had tried two things to sort of stem the flow. They had taken the dramatic step of closing the news of the world, and they had tried to sort of delay the Skybid situation by kicking it to the Competition Commission. But once it became clear that the Liberal Democrats were going to support Ed Miliband's motion against the Skybid, David Cameron had probably little choice but to fall in line. He knew he was losing ground in terms of public opinion. And I mean, however, determined a company you are, you can't proceed with a big bid like this when you've got all three, the leaders of all three political parties against you. So uh, there's obviously a process to follow, some options to examine, but I'm sure it was in the end a pretty quick decision in Wapping today. At the very least, there's now a six-month window before Murdoch can give it another go. Do you think he will, or do you think that's it? I think that's it, and I think that's it for two reasons. Firstly, let's listen to what they're saying. I mean, they're already talking a bit about, look, you know, we've got other investment opportunities. We're a global company. We can take our capital elsewhere. Uh, and there are other countries where, frankly, they've got you know better opportunity to do so, not dragged down by these issues. Secondly, uh, yes, under takeover panel rules, they, they can't come back for six months. But there's a bit more to it than that. Firstly, if they bid again, any bid would be a new bid. So the regulatory clock would restart. 
uh, and uh, uh, it took a year to get to no decision this time around, so that's a problem. The second point is that, uh, yeah, you could maybe try and ease that by perhaps taking the dramatic, although unlikely, step, I think, still, of selling off all the newspapers, but the issue there is that even if you do that you know it's not like you walk away from the criminal investigation which is ongoing and i think the idea that they could um uh, proceed with a bid for 100 percent of blue sky b where the kind of state of the criminal investigation is still unclear i don't think they could put together a bid on that basis and so i think the reality is that they are um you know they are where they are which is sort of stuck at 39 percent for quite some time how damaging has this all been financially but also in terms of reputation for News Corp? And we're talking globally here, of course. I don't think, I don't think it's been massively damaging financially, actually. The news of the world is, um, you know, was only a small profit contributor to what is a large group and whose best businesses are outside the UK, uh, with the exception perhaps of Sky. What the damage has been done, I guess, is the lost opportunity because Sky is fast-growing and very profitable and, and a very sort of reliable flow of earnings, all those 10 million people paying subscriptions every month, are much more reliable than, say, the movie business, which is, you know, hit-driven. And so they've lost a very reliable potential source of earnings. That will be a source of some frustration. All that, in a way, still pales in comparison to the, to the sort of reputational damage that's been done. It, it's gravely serious. It's gravely serious in Britain. There's already talk about pressure in the city for the removal of James Murdoch as the chairman of B-Sky B. I'm not sure there'd be pressure for them to sell down their stake in Sky, but nothing would surprise me anymore. And, and, and so the reality situation is that, you know, suddenly this is a business which can do no right in Britain and, it, and we've seen this again and again actually in the corporate world over the last sort of few years which is you know, when a crisis or collapse comes its impacts are swift and, and, and wider than thought you know we saw that with BP we, we've seen it even more disastrously with some of the banks and RBS and so on here News Corp thought it was so big that it could deal with a few stories, as it, you know, negative stories as it, from, from the Guardian newspaper. And as it's turned out, as those stories have turned into bigger and wider allegations, they couldn't. Dan Sabah there, uh, Media Talks' Ben Green was asking the questions. Um, Jane, a week ago, News Corporation, Rupert Murdoch, the Murdochs thought they could close the news of the world, that would be enough to save the sky a bit. But it's a feature of this extraordinary story that, that such a drastic action, that, even that, that wasn't enough. How sore do you think Murdoch will be that his prized bid for the company that he helped to found mm. is dead in the water? I think incredible. I mean, you know, I can't imagine how low they must be feeling now. I mean, James in particular, so implicated in this. Um, If you remember back to when he came to News International, came to Wapping, his reputation was sky high, Hmm. you know, ba-boom. But he had done a really good job at Sky against all odds, against lots of criticism from investors who accused him of nepotism. Um, He was seen as a very good CEO. He's come to Wapping. He's completely failed to get on top of what we now realise was a culture that had got out of control. He signed off on Gordon Taylor. He's already said sorry for that, but he didn't have the full facts at his fingers. This is the sort of gagging that, order. That, that yeah, personal yeah, admission yeah. is incredibly damaging for him. For him to then lose you know, the, the, the sort of jewel in the crown that he wanted. Because this is what the they really wanted. This is the billion pound profits yeah. of B-Sky B, yeah. the world's most successful pay TV business, which, 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 they, which they set up. With huge growth potential, you mm. know, not just in the UK, but obviously joining it with Sky Italia, Sky Deutschland, um, you know, massive growth potential as opposed to these pesky newspapers that have got them into so much trouble. 
it, it, it was just an extraordinary moment seeing them seeing, seeing Rupert and Murdoch fly, fly into Britain, gather up the clan, go go to the uh, that that May, May, Mayfair restaurant, and you could just you know you just wanted to be at that table, didn't you? When when they were pl- plotting to try and sa- save the Sky Beard, that's what they were doing. Well, the the I think the the really incredible thing is the pace of movement means that someone who over the years has been such a PR maestro and has been so on top of things in, in every control. deal, always in control. And you look at all the deals he's done; he's managed to always placate uh, you know anyone who's had a concern over the deal, and, and, and he's managed to sort of really work things carefully and very very brilliantly. And yet on this one, it's it seems uh, at this point of the week it's spinning away from him even faster faster than it was a week ago or obviously 10, t- 10 days ago when things really started kicking off. I mean, I mean, the speed of movement and the lack of control that, the, that, that News International Murdoch have over the story is, I think, one that's, that's really incredible. They still haven't quite grasped the enormity of it. Maybe it's just happening now with the is withdrawal of the bid. Yes, maybe, but, but maybe. you know, no outside PR consultants until now. I mean, I think just today we're finding out Edelman are certainly having some sort of involvement now with News Corp, I think, is, is right. But, you know, up until now, they've been pushing out poor old Simon Greenberg <laughs> and the idea that actually we can still drip feed stuff out and it and it'll be okay. And, well, interestingly, the the, uh, the Met Police put, put, put out that statement explicitly accusing them of of, of drip feeding confidential stuff. And that, you know, when you have the commissioner of the Met Police saying mm. you you need to stop doing this, you know that things are, are, are bad are bad for them. It's it's really kind of a watershed moment, I think, isn't it, for them? I don't think maybe it's because all these years they've been batting it back. That it's been a left left wing conspiracy. It's been the Guardian, and 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 they have been so, you know. Um, blasé about it for so long that it actually takes quite a long time to to get your head round how, how how bad it is. But I think but I think there's still an element of that mindset. I mean I mean if if um, yeah. if accounts are to be believed. Uh, from what I understand, uh, Rebecca Wade, when she was speaking to employees at News International, was still saying this is because the Guardian went out to get us. Mm. It's not our culture was wrong or or things have got out of control or it's it's the Guardian's fault. And it's classic. It, it's what MPs were doing over the MPs' expenses. Shoot the messenger. Let's we'll, we'll talk about the implications uh, for the press about all, all of this, including the inquiry that's been announced in, uh, in a minute. But let's just just wrap up on uh, on the uh, the B Sky B deal and what this means indeed for the Murdoch papers in Britain, uh, Dan Saber said there that he didn't think that they would sell off the, uh, the, the papers. He thought that was still unlikely. Jay Martin, what's your... I mean, what's well, I think, I mean, well, I suppose the first thing you have to say on anything to do with this story is all bets are off at the minute. Yeah. I mean, it just is moving so fast. However, I've spoken to people inside news um, recently it seems to me the appetite to do a fire sale of the remaining three papers is just not there. You know, why would they do it now? They still Who make money, the, the yeah. sun. Well, I, you know, I think people would buy it. I th- yeah. You know, I talked to Hugo Dixon from Breaking Views. He's written something about how he feels that the Times should also declare independence. You know, these, these papers are huge papers. They are, you know, historic, valuable brands, even though they have been utterly tarnished, the sun particularly, um, by what's happened. So, you know, will they sell them? Now, I can imagine James Murdoch would sell it in a heartbeat. I have no idea, obviously, but well, I can a, imagine... He has no that, emotional attachment, does yeah, he? Yeah, actually, and all the pain it's caused and everything that's happened. However, are they going to do that now? It would really look like just desperate, panicking management. Yeah, it, it would absolutely be, be a panic move, and I don't think there's any any need to do that yet but i think in terms of the b sky b deal 
I think the other interesting thing that's emerged uh, in the past uh, day or two is obviously the threat to the current shareholding that that they've got because obviously Ofcom now looking at this in terms of the fit and proper person. Well, this test. is really interesting, and I don't think people have touched on, t- have really quite grasped this. The, the uh, as far as Ofcom is concerned, News Corporation is the controlling has a controlling stake in B and it doesn't matter. You know, they already have have a controlling stake. If if news, I my interpretation is, and correct me if I'm wrong, if if Ofcom declares that News Corporation are not a f- not fit and proper people to run a broadcaster in Britain, they're going to have to sell sell their their current stake mm, in correct, B-Sky-B. correct, and and you know. So uh, that's got to be a very serious threat because as soon as we get to the stage, which clearly is going to happen at some point of criminal charges Mm. being pressed for some very senior people Mm. at News International, um, that's got to be a very serious threat for them. You know, this isn't going to be something that's going to go away pretty quickly. I I mean, it's only yesterday when they when they um, withdrew the sky bid that we realised, I think, the importance of that Ofcom inquiry and the fit and proper test. Um, I mean, this is going to take a long time because Ofcom have said they're going to wait for the criminal investigation. At the moment, none of us could say that they would fail. And I think obviously the Murdochs would be, as I suggested in today's paper, you know, the thought that they would fail a test that Richard Desmond uh, passed with flying colours, um, I'm sure will cause them even more pain and anguish. Well, it's, it's been interesting that, uh, that this has been co- uh, compared to Watergate because um, I, I read a, com- a comment, I think, from Carl Bernstein, some, somebody involved in, in, in Watergate, who said, well, if this is Watergate, you're only two weeks in. You know, this is, this is <laughs> yes. going to go on and on, isn't it? Yeah. And one thing we should we should uh, um, pick up on is you you were mentioning inquiries the, the, these inquiries that the government has set up the mm. uh, inquiry into um, the standards of of press uh, of the press and the inquiry into the news of the world is all bound up in the same kind of thing led by the uh, judge. Do you, I mean where where have we got ourselves? You know, Jane, is it Turkey's really voting for Christmas here? Have we throw, you know, is, is it possible that we have um, thrown up the whole possibility of? Um, statutory regulation of the press now is that inevitable out of all I think what's inevitable is that the, the PCC cannot survive this. I mean, David Cameron effectively killed it, didn't he, last week. I think the criticism of the PCC, you know, our own editor left the PCC because of its behaviour over phone hacking. Hmm. Um, left the code committee. Yeah, uh, yeah sorry. Um, the criticism of the PCC, I think, is, is has been justified. Whether that leads to what sort of regulation um, it leads to, it, you know, is obviously it's going to take some time. But from what Nick Clegg was saying today, they are conscious, and this is what I think we have to make sure there is a bigger debate about this, that, you know, there are two arms of this. There's the ability of the press to act as the holding the powerful to account. Um, you know, the freedom of the press really should be invi- viable. And, so, and then there's a bit yeah. about actually regulating properly. But, the, the, you know, I th- but I think the, the crucial question around this is the question that the judge heading uh, up the inquiry said, which is, you know, who guards the guardians? And yeah. uh, I think there's been a big reaction, which you would expect from newspapers, which says, oh, no, absolutely not. There cannot be any form of, re- of uh, regulation. And as the only non-newspaper person in the room, uh, I've got to say, I, you know, I don't see uh, I don't see a big issue between some form of regulation, which which um, which sets out the ground rules of what is or isn't permissible yeah. when you're delving into people's private lives, I mean, it's, as opposed yeah, to you know, well, no well, one's that's, saying that's not quite fair, Steve. I mean, there are already you know the, the law of libel is already being looked at because it was seen as so onerous and pri- privacy. You know, we already have the European Court of Human Rights, but, but, so I, you know, it's not fair to say the I public are saying yes, that I all journalists are out doing what they like, breaking I, the law. It's not that's about not all true. journalists, but it, but if we compare TV and radio to newspapers. Um, you know, we're obviously living in very different universes. Yes. No one, I don't, 
I, you know, you would hope no one is attacking the idea of a free press. I mean, that is such a fundamental so, element of our democracy. So what you're saying, Steve, Steve is, is, is that there is statute regulation of, of radio and television in Britain, and no one is suggesting that, that radio and television also are cowed by, uh, by, by, that, the, by that regulation. Is that what you're saying? Well, I am saying that. I, you know, I'm not saying in terms of the newspapers we want to go down exactly the same route, because obviously the issue for People TV and radio down, broadcasters right. is they have to be impartial, and we don't want that from okay. our newspapers. But, but, but there, is a, there is a sort of model here, isn't there? Um, because again, as I uh, as, as I understand it, the Advertising Standards, Standards Authority is a an organisation that that's that's a self regulatory organisation, but its code is overseen by by Ofcom. It's 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 its code is approved by Ofcom, which is a statutory organisation. So you can you can see that perhaps there is a sort of hybrid uh, s- situation which might satisfy people, in which there is some kind of statutory oversight mm. of a self regulatory system. Well, and also, we haven't mentioned the web and how yeah. you know these rules on regulation and how we govern or how we guard yeah. the guardians it's much more complicated now than it was it has well, ever exactly. been before well I think we could do a whole other podcast on this um, or, and also all the political angles to all of this which we're going to cover on the uh, Politics Weekly podcast so make sure you get that and of course you can read plenty more about everything all the fast moving developments on mediaguardian.co.uk all right, let's uh, look at what the events of the past week mean for News Corporation globally, uh, especially in America, where it has its headquarters and runs businesses, including the Wall Street Journal, Fox News, and the 20th Century Fox Movie Studio. Angry shareholders launched legal proceedings against the company for failing to take early action on the hacking scandal, while there's a growing mood in Washington for an investigation into the allegations about 9-11 victims' phones being targeted. All in all, it's not looking good. Michael Wolfe is Vanity Fair's media columnist and the author of The Man Who Owns the news inside the secret world of Rupert Murdoch. He joins us on the line from New York now. Uh, Michael, give us a sense of how the tide has turned against Murdoch in America. I think you have to remember uh, that this scandal is five years old in the UK and it is uh, eight days old in the US. Uh, so it's a moment of, 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 of saying, holy cow, something's going on here. What is going on? What have we missed? Why have we missed it? Um, and exactly what what is this complicated thing that has unfolded in the UK over such a long period of time? Each of the uh, of the various constituencies, um, a financial constituency at News Corp, the commercial constituency, the advertisers, um, and then of course the the political and regulatory um, constituencies are are saying uh, what's relevant to us. We've got to figure this out. Um, um, this company is imploding in the UK. We can't possibly ignore that, and it can't possibly mean that it has no implications for the US company. So I think this is all going on at this moment in time, and it will unfold over the next several weeks. Let's take the commercial uh, implications first. Um, how do you assess them? Uh, are they serious? Um, you say the company's imploding in Britain. Um, will that implosion spread? Well, I, you know, um, among, my, uh, among the other hats that I wear, I am also the editorial director of Adweek magazine, and I am very close to the, um, um, to the, to the mood of the advertising community. And um, I, I would say that it has gone from being absolutely uninterested in this uh, scandal to, in these eight or nine days' times, time being completely freaked out. Every advertiser who works with News Corporation right now is 
talking to its media buyers and saying, what's the implications of this? How long is my commitment? Um, what um, um, and, and what are my options? So uh, for a company supported by advertising, this is obviously extremely serious. Uh, and what about the political dimension? Because it's kind of a two, two-pronged attack, isn't it? There's the, uh, the advertising problem that you mentioned there, and now we have these senators calling for an inquiry, and maybe the sort of Millie Dowler um, equivalent in the US is going to be these uh, allegations about 9-11 victims' fo- phones being hacked. Uh, do these senators have – what kind of power do they have? Uh, and, and, I think, yeah. Right. I mean, I think it operates on, on, on three levels um, – it's, it's an investigative level that they can continue to drag this out. The first thing, uh, the politicians can get personal mileage out of this, and then they can uh, create a, a forum for examining just about anything they want to examine. And everyone's involved, whether Democrats or Republicans, it's to their political advantage to get on top of that. And we are seeing actually a bipartisan response. Uh, the next element is the regulatory element, and, and the FCC, uh, the Federal Communications Commission, which runs the licensing of television networks, which are one of the, 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 the key foundations of the, of the Murdoch empire, um, is, is um, sort of, I, I guess you might call it, long, um, suddenly awakening from a long sleep and, um, and, and having to figure out what's relevant to the regulatory rules here. Um, obviously, there's the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, which people are suddenly beginning to talk about. If News Corp paid the police in the U.K. for information, that's illegal here. Um, let me add one more. is the SEC side, which is very important, um, uh, and that's the Securities and Exchange Commission, and it goes to, to, to the rules that, that regulate public companies. Now, if News Corp paid money to anyone, then the SEC has the right to say, how did you characterize that payment? And if you didn't characterize that payment as literally as a bribe, if it was a bribe, then that's fraud. So the, the company across the political spectrum, this is uh, – uh, the company is vulnerable. So that seems to be a lot of fronts to be fighting battles on all, all at once. Rupert Murdoch is 80 years old. This company is run as a personal fiefdom. Do you think that he has the stamina to, to, to cope with all of this? Yeah, absolutely not. And I think that one of the things that that's at the root of this scandal is that over the past several years, Rupert has ceded more and more power, and you know, specifically to his son James, because he is old. Uh, I mean, I uh, interviewed uh, Murdoch at length in 2008, um, you know, saw him uh, at least once a week, sometimes two and three times a week for over the course of nine months. So I have seen him up close. And to be perfectly honest, he looked uh, his age. Uh, he acted his age. Um, um, he would lose the chain of, uh, of the conversation, um, had difficulty focusing, difficulty with dates. Uh, so, and that was two years ago. So, yes, the the answer is, um, I I think that uh, that age play is, is a is a very 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 germane point in this in what's going on. So, how do you see it playing out? What's your what's the Michael Wolf prediction for the future of News Corporation? Um, that um, uh, that the management of this company will not be dominated by people named Murdoch within a very short period of time. 
Um, I think one perfectly logical scenario and relatively from the point of view of the Murdoch's benign scenario, um, or at, at least under the circumstances benign scenario, is that Rupert becomes uh, the chairman of, of the company, um, gives up the, the exe chief executive position probably to Chase Carey, long time, who's now the COO, long time lieutenant. Um, uh, James Murdoch is, is sidelined, pushed out, um, uh, sent to I don't know where, and effectively the, the age of Murdoch passes. And that is, I think, the most benign. Um, as possible is, is the Murdochs are indicted and they are forcibly removed from their roles. Extraordinary. Michael Wolf. Uh, thanks very much for joining us from, from New York. Jane, uh, I mean, it really does feel, I mean, it's extraordinary that last point that Michael made, that the Murdochs could be indicted. Um, uh, then it would all unravel because th this company is a Murdoch dynasty. Yeah, I think, although we should say probably that they haven't been accused of any behaviour. Yes. You know, I, I think what he said about the US regulatory authorities is really interesting. And what we've learned about the, the, um, the US authorities is when something like this happens, um, lawmakers like to prove that they are in charge. I mean, you, could, you can see that in the UK, can't you? Politicians who. Well, if there's years. political capital to be made. Yeah. Yes. Well, also. You know, the rule of law, the right of law, yeah. companies, human beings, even very, very powerful ones cannot be bigger than that. Um, so, you know, the, as you say, they're, they're facing an enormous number of fronts. Um, you know, the House of Cards really has got a big jolt and mm. where it leads, who, who would like to predict? I think actually if you look at US politicians and you look at uh, cases like um, Enron, um, they've uh, they have much greater powers than British politicians and have acted much faster to um, to you know get a grip of the situation and take legal action against relevant people. However, let's not forget we're talking about one of the twentieth stroke you know early twenty first centuries greatest business people ever. I mean you know you know Murdoch may be getting old, but he he's still a brilliant game player and uh, and an absolute genius the question is how much of those skills have been transferred to the next generation and i thought it was interesting that michael doesn't refer at all to the fact that um, obviously in the wings you've got elizabeth and lachlan as well and, and particularly elizabeth coming back into the fold well, this is very interesting you know um, i don't untainted yeah untainted she's done a, you know built up a, a, a you know did really well with shine i know we're talking about something on a much smaller scale mm -hmm. however uh, at the end of the day, there is a loyalty and, a, and an intelligence and knowledge that she has built up that, that could but prove effective here. Don't you think this will be the actual, what will be the most momentous effect of this? And, you know, I think the sort of let's predicting in terms of um, regulatory action is a sort of a bit of a fool's game. But in terms of what could happen, that a company that effectively, you know, the, again, we always talk about, well, it could be Liz, maybe Lachlan could come back. This is a 50 billion dollar company this is you know will this be the point where actual investors shareholders all the people that put all that money in it and i know they've got the 40 percent voting rights but should it be just given over to actually i mean james proved himself more than anything by being a really effective ceo was that enough just because his name is murdoch liz has done a good job with shine what other independent founder would suddenly be what parachuted into to run Disney? 
I mean, it just doesn't happen. It's just because their name is Murdoch. Well, now that will be the interesting thing. Will this mean that that is truly questioned going mm. forward? Uh, yeah, I th- uh, that's absolutely right. And I think I think maybe maybe the other thing is if you look at any um, anyone who has who has uh, a huge amount of power has to have a power base under them of key lo- uh, lieutenants, lieutenants, lieutenants. Yeah, um, <laughs> and. It is starting to spread to some of those key individuals now. You know, someone like Les Hinton, who who holds up the Wall Street Journal power base for yes. Murdoch, is in big trouble now over this, and yeah. and it's clearly going to start to affect some of those 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 key delegates who who help to maintain the power base. That's just about it for this week, I think. Uh, but let's finish on an up note, shall we? Uh, it's been an amazing few days in the media. Um, I, I suppose, Jane, you've probably been immersed in, all, in, in, in Murdoch Gate. But what, uh, have, you know, what have you, what, what's the most interesting <laughs> thing that you've learned about it all this week? Honestly, I honestly feel this has been one of the moment, most momentous weeks. Certainly, it's my career. And I can't, yes. I mean, it just all... At least you were here. I was on a, uh, I was on a beach in Turkey when I, when I found out about it. God, I'm about to go for dinner with my dad. <laughs> I was literally I'd read the Guardian Life book. Like, holy crap! <laughs> what about the news of the world? Yes, yes. Oh. Uh, yeah. No, it was. I mean, actually, I went to the loo. I mean, that's how fast this this has moved. That I was working at my desk, um, doing the women's pages, and I actually walked away and came back, and the, uh, cl- the Twitter the had gone wild <laughs> about the news of the world, and it literally had been two minutes. It was all over Twitter, and you thought, I mean, I I, I still think to me that was. Uh, that didn't feel inedible. That literally, it was so shocking to close down a 168-year-old paper. Yeah. You know, three days before to get that announcement was so, so shocking, where, I think. Where were you, Steve? Uh, I, was, I was in the office and it, 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 was, it was pretty amazing. I think this, this, this week has had some pretty amazing, pretty amazing moments as well. Um, though I can tell you, we have personally been touched by the, by the, by the, by the issue. What, uh, really? Well, yeah, well I, I, now... Has your phone been hacked? Don't get too... Don't get too <laughs> Ackerman o- hacked. Don't get too overexcited. Acker hack. Don't get too overexcited here. But we were supposed to last Friday be visited by very, very, very senior people in, in Cameron Circle. Oh, really? Uh, again, nothing that exciting. As you know, Cameron's investing or, or wants lots of investment into East London. So they were having a look at various yeah. companies around the Silicon Roundabout. Oh, my, yes. my, my, my fingers are inverting commas here. Um, <laughs> otherwise, otherwise known as Old Street. Yes, otherwise known as Old Street. <laughs> we, we were one of them, and some of those very, very senior characters, for obvious reasons, had to pull out of the visit. Well, well, so. might see if this could have been the future of your business. It's all down the drain now. Anyway, there we are. Okay, th- thank you very much. That's it for this week. Uh, thank you to our guests here in the pod, uh, Steve Ackerman and Jane Martinson. Uh, our blog and Twitter details are at guardian.co.uk slash media talk but of course by the time you listen to this goodness knows what will have happened uh, you'll need to head to mediaguardian.co.uk to keep up with all the latest developments um, and uh, actually well, while we've all been talking about hacking and dodgy means of getting hold of private data I have uh, an entirely above board message from the uh, powers that be at the Guardian uh, because over the summer we, uh, we're actually doing some thinking about how our podcasts uh, are done here making sure that we're producing the best possible shows for you um, and uh, you have to well we'd like you to get involved but it does mean you're giving some data to well. It means you're emailing us. Uh, if you're that way inclined, send, send us an email to mediatalkpodcast.guardian at gmail.com and we'll be in touch in the next couple of weeks with some simple questions. How exciting, a bit of market research. Uh, Media Talk is produced by Ben Green. I'm Matt Wells. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.